Welcome to the Transform Sales Podcast, where forward-thinking business leaders come to share their experiences and ideas, learn from each other, and amplify their results together. Hey guys, Amir Ryder here with the Transform Sales Podcast. I got my guest, CEO and founder of Sales Science, Matt Aird. Matt, what's up, man? How are you? I'm doing well, man. How are you? I'm doing good. We're keeping Matt up. I think it's probably, um, what, like 10 p.m. where you are? It's early. It's It's 5 a.m. Yeah, it's five. It's five a.m. Where are yeah. you about these days for everybody listening? I'm uh, I'm based in New Zealand, um, in a place called the Bay of Islands, which is uh, right at the top of the the North Island in New Zealand. So do you know that I've now through the Cloudest Marketplace, I probably have met three or four people that live in New Zealand. I talk to them on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. Um, Adam, I forgot his last name. You probably know him as well. Um, yep. So it's just so interesting how we're building this this sort of network state of revenue professionals globally, um, and we can literally talk to people in New Zealand, Australia, Singapore, Germany, and everybody's got everybody's got expertise, which is awesome. Um, Matt, for for those listening to the the podcast, the the goal of this podcast is to kind of create some transparency around mistakes that buyers make when either outsourcing B two B lead gen for the first time, or um, coming back to do it again after they may have had been successful or may have failed. Um, just kind of with the idea that by listening in to like the real talk, the, the stuff behind the scenes that they, that, that happens, they can hopefully avoid those pitfalls because as we know, there's just so much revenue involved with, uh, B2B Legion and, and mm-hmm. a million dollars of revenue, 10 million dollars valuation. This is a, this is our expensive products and they're crucial to the company's success. So, uh, before we get into that, I just the, for anybody listening, maybe you could tell the story about how you how you got into outsource sales, how you became a sales agency. What is that? What brought you to this business? Yeah, sure. So um, my background is I've, I've always been in sales. So my first job, basically out of school, was selling, um, and so have been in a bunch of different sales roles, B two B, B two C, over the years. Um, about five years ago. I was looking to start a a SaaS company with a friend of mine who was a a data scientist and a developer. Um, We're working on a couple of ideas and about three months into that process, he, uh, he got a job offer with, uh, with Nike and being a massive basketball nut. He's like, look, this is basically my dream job. Like I want to go and take this. I was like, yes, of course that makes sense. He left, he left you for the bigger, better deal. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The startup that's, that's non-existent or Nike. Yeah. Okay. Tough choice. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I was like, okay, well I don't have a product. All I want to do is sell a SaaS product. So I'll just go and sell other people's stuff. Uh, and so the first kind of iteration of sales science, we did uh, full cycle, basically customer acquisition for, um, technical founders. So we partnered with a couple of um, basically one-man SaaS companies that, you know, had a product, um, had, you know, a decent product that had product market fit, uh, but didn't have any way to kind of get it in customers' hands. And so we managed everything for them uh, right up to the point of getting that customer signed. uh, And then we would hand them a new customer, essentially. So we did that with a couple of clients, realized pretty quickly that that was going to be a hard model to scale. Uh, and then so just focused our efforts on top of funnel. And we've been doing that now for about four years at this point. Um, still, the focus is still kind of early-ish stage tech companies. Um, but yeah, we're just focused on the, the top That was of the end of the base. podcast when I asked you that question, but you told everybody, which is fine. So early, <laughs> stage, early stage stats. So, so, yeah. so four years, you've been around, uh, you've been around the block. Uh, 
what what mistakes are buyers making when they're meeting with you? What's this what's this repeating theme that you see? And obviously the mistake that we're talking about is not a mistake, like you can't close them, right? Mistake as mm-hmm. in they don't get the right agency, they don't get the right performance. What is what what are you seeing out there? What mistakes are they making? Yeah, so I think um um there there are a couple. Number one is that uh, they don't have a clear understanding of um how their product is actually differentiated against the solution that a customer already has, right? Um, so um, customers will often come to you with like, the, the, they think their differentiation is the things that everyone thinks their differentiation is like, it's oh, like we have better service. We've been around for X number of years. We do this, right? Um, it's price, whatever it is. Um, but if there's an incumbent solution in place, those things aren't big enough hooks for outbound to work with outbound, you really need uh, a way to kind of like change the paradigm or create a new way of thinking about things in the prospect's mind. Um, and unless you've really thought that through it, it's really hard to, to, for, for outbound campaigns to get traction. If you're saying the same things that every other vendor is saying, um, then, you know, it's just you, you're potentially wasting a ton of money trying to execute one of these campaigns. Um, mm-hmm. and it's, uh, it's hard for us you know, in the evaluation phase with a customer to really know how differentiated they think their positioning is until we get into some conversations. And so, um, yeah, I think one of the things is just really for founders, for CEOs, is uh, for, for sales and marketing leaders is to really understand how you stack up against the competitors and what is the angle that you take on customer conversations that positions you as different. Um, that's the first thing. And then the second thing is just um, probably a lack of uh, a lack of patience, right, around the outbound process and, and allowing it to develop and gain traction over time. Um, every campaign that we've executed that's gone for more than six months, right, you just start to see this like compounding effect start to take place, right? The people that you spoke to six months ago that weren't ready are now ready. The messaging gets time to be, you know, uh, clarified and crystallized and much more crisp. Um, and so, yeah, just giving these programs time to take shape and evolve um, and not being, you know, ready to jump ship if you haven't got meetings set in month one, right? These things take time to evolve and to get better over time. That's, that's probably yeah. problem number two. So let me, let me unpack that, right? Because I think that, you know, what you, I understand what you said, right? But for the listeners that are listening, I want to just unpack it a little bit, right? I think for the beginning, the, the biggest mistake that buyers are making, if I'm hearing you correctly, is that, they are trying to execute what we could call a ROS, return on sales campaign, right? Or an ROI campaign that has uh, a defined financial objective before actually having market validation, right? Mm-hmm. So, so their natural tendency as buyers is like, we need meetings now, we need a cash ROI on a nine month sales cycle in six months, right? And nothing's really validated, right? Their offer, why people meet with them. They think it's, we got the best product in the world, we're the next Google. But and you're like, well, do the people you're talking to think that? And are we saying mm-hmm. the right words? So it's yep. this tendency to to almost to take a market validation campaign and an ROS campaign and do it at the same time with a 90 day while they're fighting you for you know month by month a 90 day when it really takes six months even when you have market validation. So it's almost just a lack of like where are you in your your market validation? And for some reason, customers get turned off if you tell them, hey. Um, if you're looking to get an ROS return on sales from this campaign, but you haven't tested out your messaging market, 
you might be disappointed when you tell them that they think you're a sales guy just trying to sell them something, right? But it's the truth. So it's just like a little bit of like lack of understanding of different types of campaigns and then also just like not wanting to hear the truth. Um, and then it leads to them losing money because they think they won. They think they, they think, okay, cool. Matt said, sure, we'll do it. 90 days, right? And they think they're winning. But their actual expectations will make them lose because if they expected you to validate the market, and also, while validating the market, sure, you can get a lead, sure, you can get a customer, but the focus is on validating the market. Then enough time to take information to execute, they will win. But it's like they're impatient and, and, and they don't know what campaigns. That's that's a common problem. Yeah, not 100%. Sure what you're not. Uh, yeah, yeah, no, 100%. Sure taking, what, taking what you're saying and like unraveling it, right, for the listeners, because it's uh, I think it's a big step. I think if people... I think if people knew that what they were getting, right, a market validation campaign, and 99% of the time, if you're looking for outsourced sales agency, it's typically market validation because you typically try it in-house. It doesn't work out. It doesn't work because you didn't validate your market, right? So, like, if people just really knew these two separate things, you think buyers would have better a better experience? Yeah, yeah, 100%. And I think um, one of the challenges for, uh, for companies that want to do this the right way as well is that there's always someone... Well, there's always a provider out there that's going to say, oh, look, we can generate X meetings right for you. And uh, here's a guarantee and you don't pay until we book anything. Um, and so there's kind of like an expectation in the market that like, well, it sh you should just be able to book meetings, right? When it's just really, it, is, it isn't that simple. Yeah, you really do need to understand how does the positioning work? Who is the actual ICP? What products do they have in place at the moment? And how do we compare against those? Right? How do we develop battle cards to make sure we we have the right talk track for the right product? All of that stuff is just like, unless you have that built out and tested in-house, yeah, you can't skip that process, right? We're not magicians. We can't like just, you know, figure this out overnight, 100%. Wow. But I, I think that people in this industry, because the buyers are so adversarial, because they're like, we want what we want, because everyone's saying what they're saying, they're getting, tri they're getting tricked to hiring the companies that promise fast results. Right, and then they have, and then they, and then they have the. I tried outsourcing; it didn't work. They only worked yeah. with when they when they selected the lowest cost provider that said yes out of five hundred providers. So now the whole industry has a bad name, right? So yeah. how do we fix that problem? <laughs> it's a good question, isn't that what you're doing? I'm trying to. <laughs> that's a, that's I, a question I, for you, I think, not me. Yeah, yeah. I'll say how I am trying to solve that problem. How we are is by being transparent. We are trying to get all the information from buyers and sellers and put it all up there so people can be either the person so they can understand what it's like to be a sales agency and they can see that we're not secretly behind the sign saying, yeah, let's let's lie to that guy, take his take his 15K and then blow him off, right? Like they yeah. don't realize that we like drive ourselves nuts to get results. Like 99% of every sales agency is a competitive person. He's a winner, right? Like we're not the kind of, you don't get into the outsourced sales business because you just want to follow. You get in because you want to win. Like you have mm -hmm. to have some kind of competition in you. Um, I appreciate what you just mentioned because I think too it's one of the biggest issues. And I think that if I think that if in 2023 and beyond, companies that are in that phase of market validation actually pay for market validation campaigns and they're satisfied they get, I think they will win in the long term, right? Because mm. um, that's what's needed. What about mistakes that buyers make when working with you, right? Because obviously mistakes they make when buying. But then there's mistakes they make when working with you. What are that? What are those common mistakes? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, the most frustrating one is uh, is a lack of communication, right? Um, when we're in this, when when we're in the very early stages of one of these campaigns, um, being able to get quick feedback 
and answers to questions are super important. You know, um, we need to know, for example, you know, if we've scheduled a meeting, we need to know what happened in that meeting, right? We get maybe two or three minutes on the phone with a prospect. Our customer gets 30 to 45 minutes. And so the amount of insight and information that you can uncover through that longer form conversation is all gold for us at the top of the funnel, right? Because now in those conversations, you can really unpack what was it that got you excited about taking the meeting? What is it? Exactly. What are the challenges you are actually struggling with at the moment? We can have our theories on what those are and we can make some assumptions around what it was in the script that worked or what the prospect said to us that was the, the key things. But in that longer form conversation, you can get much more out of that. And so passing all of that insight, insight and information back to us as quickly as possible allows us to really double down on what's working or what isn't. Um, yeah, it makes sense because maybe maybe a client what brought you to this meeting and they're like they're like, you know, I just like the fact that it was all the social media platforms in one place. And then by hearing that, you could focus on your messaging just saying that same thing, right? So it's that feedback loop exactly. of back to market validation, right? You're 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 constantly until until you're, you know, maybe your business has been around for, and that's not even the case anymore because businesses are changing so fast. You've been around for 10 years, you have party market fit. Maybe it's say this, do that, because it's all tested, right? Mm -hmm. So so basically, it's back to the same thing in the sense that the biggest mistake buyers make is that they don't realize they're in market validation mode, and then it changes their behavior during the project because now they're not, because they're just waiting for meetings and art revenue, they're not giving you the feedback you need to properly do the market validation. Mm -hmm. Makes sense. Yeah, Anybody listening to that, I mean, it's, it's not rocket science, right? Like at the end of the day, if you guys have a formula, a winning formula, then it's do A, B, C, D, E and get Y, right? But if you're doing a campaign and you're trying to generate a new pipeline, you're going to have to figure out what works, what resonates before you put the speed on it. Because if you, mm -hmm. like anything else, if you speed up a process that's not tested, you're going to get inefficiency. Right? I think Elon Musk always talks about like how the biggest thing that, he finds in his uh, workflows is like a step that just didn't even need to be there, right? Like there's just like, and, that's, and, and in sales, I feel like that's usually like words that don't need to be there, right? I think I think the goal is like, how do you say as little as possible to create that value, right? It's, it's that game, right? I think it's always like too many words, right? An extra word, extra value, find out what really matters to people. Oh yeah, and that's like, is becoming more and more and more important, right? As like prospects inboxes are just saturated, it's just like how can you get it across literally over the phone in five seconds and over email in like two sentences right it's like the battle for that attention span now is just it's it's so great that you you really need to be able to distill it down into that that kind of a, uh, a framework do you think that some companies should actually just make an mvp go to market before they even build a product like find out what works before even building a product like how, have you have you ever seen like people build crazy complicated products and they're like, we're the best in the world. And then you go to market and people don't want any of the features that they built and then they spent all their money. I see. Yeah. yeah there, there, there's actually a pretty good, um, so we're, we're obviously more, more focused on or have had more experience in the kind of the Australian New Zealand markets. Um, we're pretty good in these parts of the world because there isn't a lot of access or as much access to venture capital. People down here typically build products to solve real problems. Um, which is helpful. So they're not they're not right? they're not into the, the American Ponzi scheme game, right? Yeah, we, we don't have like you know uh, you don't, three you don't people graduating from Stanford. <laughs> yeah, we yeah, don't have that. Yeah. Ten billion dollars is gone, and I'm the victim, right? Like you don't got yeah, that. Yeah. That's an American. That's an American thing. Yeah, he's yeah, nice, but there's also nice just guy. not. He's a nice. He's a nice guy, though. That's what they'll say. Yeah, effective altruism is uh, 
yeah, you could be a nice bit. you could be a nice guy in America and steal money and you're cool. Yeah. Yeah, but I think um I think that that is one of the strengths of the market down here is that because there isn't as much access to capital, you really need to show that you have traction before you can get it. And so um we, we're typically pretty good at building stuff that that solves real problems. Now, whether or not we continue to communicate how we solve those problems effectively, that's probably our gap. Um it's like, you know, okay, you've created this thing that does this, but then how do you actually, you know, communicate to prospects in a way that gets them interested is is kind of what we're helping companies down here to work on. Yeah. In APAC, in the region that you service, um, what region, area, city, country, state do you see adopting SaaS the most? Is it is it Singapore? Is it is it the Philippines? What's, where is like SaaS penetration just happening? Yeah. So I think um, I think Singapore is like pretty well known as like a fintech hub. So there's a lot of fintech positive like um, fintech stuff spinning up in Singapore. Um, and then Australia and New Zealand are pretty good from a you know like a SaaS standpoint uh whether that's ver you know vertical SaaS in particular there's a lot of like you know niche um SaaS products in this part of the world that that go on to do pretty well um but yeah the ecosystem's good i think you know the challenges that it has over the next maybe five to ten years is um you know is uh, the skill set right is finding enough people to staff these things so that you know especially from a technical standpoint that so that they can continue to grow but um you know, there's some good people in this part of the world working on that problem as well. Yeah, I, I hear that Vietnam has a, an amazing technology, uh, like a tech center. I have a friend like hiring gaming programmers there. Um, yeah, interesting. Not to, not, not to get off topic, talk about your best customers. They're startups, they're SaaS. I think you already alluded mm -hmm. to that. Yep. What else do they look like? What are they, where are they selling to? What's that, what's that sweet spot, right? What's that, what's that area? I know that you're global. I've worked with you guys are global customers, but we, you know, mm -hmm. APAC is a, is a big region. Um, yep. Tell me more about your, your best fit customer who's listening, who, who you can help. Yeah. So we, we like, yeah, we like early stage SaaS. Um, we like um, companies that are selling into kind of mid-market. Um, and then we typically do well as well with companies that kind of have a vertical focus um for whatever reason we've, we've found good traction with that whether that's because the product uh is as i said kind of before is built to solve a specific problem within a specific solution yeah. so it's kind of easy to figure out their messaging but yeah that 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 kind of is our sweet spot right so vertically focused SaaS targeting the mid-market um you know in australia Do you prefer a bootstrapped series a um doesn't matter yeah it doesn't really matter most of our customers have some sort of funding right so um you know, they're, they're, they are backed by outside investors for the most part. Yeah. And well, what's the region? Did you mention that? Is it, are they selling yeah, so, APAC? Or yeah, New Zealand, New Zealand, Australia, and, and the US are our core markets. We're doing a couple of campaigns into the UK. It's um, it's a little bit more difficult to manage from down here, but yeah, New Zealand, Australia, and the US. Yep. I think we've had, I think we've had what, maybe three or four mutual clients, right? That, that, that come mm -hmm. in through our marketplace. I think it was easy for us yep. to match in the beginning because they were like, you're selling into to Philippines or we got, we got sales science, you know? And I think yep. it's crazy to know that a lot of, a lot of companies because of the lack of marketplaces and transparency, they might find an American company that says, yes, we crush APAC. And then they hire an American company to do APAC. And it's like, if you just think about it logically, like where would you want the agency to be yep. actually located? Like, you know, like, probably want New Zealand supporting Singapore. It's in the same time zone. It's in the same region. It's 1 a.m. right now. So it's like a lot of people think they can't sell the APAC because they can't find the, the the providers like yourself. And that's kind of why we create this marketplace where, you know, we tell people, right, like if they're running an agency and they're running a campaign with, let's say, a U.S.-based company with a U.S. a U.S. agency and it's successful, now they want APAC, they might say, 
can you do APAC? And the agency would say, yes, well, that's, we call that scope creep. But we say, it's good that you can, but we had an agency that does just that. Yep. And people now realize they can work with multiple agencies, multiple reps, because two plus two plus two plus two plus two equals, I don't know, 10, whatever I went on to. Uh, and that's how sales works. Matt, yep. you're the man. I appreciate what you're doing. I appreciate you being up late, early with us. People that want to find you, obviously they come to the marketplace, but those that want to talk to you directly, what's the best place? Twitter, LinkedIn, what website? I love the name, yeah, yeah. Sales Science. Yeah, just find me uh, Find me on LinkedIn. Uh, it is, what is it? Uh, LinkedIn. Um, yeah, just search for Matt Ed. You'll find me on there. A-I-R-D. Matt, you're the man. Everybody listening, thank you for tuning in. This is the Transform Sales Podcast. Uh, and Matt, thank you for uh, being on the show and helping out with some of your war stories. No worries, mate. Thanks. I enjoyed it. Matt, take care.